night is kind of wonky in a couple of ways. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, we'll definitely get to it. But anyway, uh, yeah, let's do it. Sure. Hello and welcome to the Watcher's Guide to the Marvel Universe, uh, the show that whines like a teenager having a bad day. I'm Max. And I'm JR. <laughs> Something on my tongue. Okay. I don't know. Whatever. Sorry, did I get you? Yeah, you know. Okay. Uh, how's it going? Uh, it goes. Uh, not a lot this week. Just work and go to bed. So, yeah. Nothing special. Yeah. I hear you. Mostly it was uh, trying to figure out how to use all my vacation. Because I didn't, and they get mad at you if you don't. Right. Uh, but yeah, other than that, nothing much. And yourself? Yeah, nothing. No? No. Alright, news. News. Uh, so first of all, we have a... So 2020 is going to be chock full of events, apparently. Yeah. Because there's the new Annihilation thing going on. Uh, incoming is... Incoming. Uh, and then incoming is going to lead to Empire, uh, and that's Empire, E-M-P-Y-R-E, and stuff like that. I bet you somebody felt really fucking clever. Yeah. For, like, all day. Yeah. They were like, ooh, but, like, it's an empire, but it's on fire, so it's an empire. And somebody was like, I'm fucking hot shit. Yeah. All day. And then someone and then they overheard someone be like, that's kind of a dumb it just doesn't look cool. And oh man. Yeah. And it know, ruined their week. I was uh I was I've been watching The Simpsons on Disney Plus. because uh, I've never like I've never sat down and watched all of The Simpsons. Uh and I'm not going to watch all of the Simpsons, but like The Simpsons Golden Age. Yeah, what is that supposed to be? Three through eight? Through nine, I think. I think Principal and the Popper is generally agreed upon as the cutoff for good Simpsons. But uh, I just, I don't care. Like, that, I can't. That sounds can't like, that sounds like the kind of a, a, a discussion. Like comics i can only have room in my life for one kind of insufferable conversation and it's yeah we've picked comics right yeah like so when people start arguing about the simpsons and like when it was good and when it is bad and when the stuff like that i'm like no no you can't i can't like i can't and you sound is this how i sound i sound like this oh my god yeah I hate you. I hate me. I, you know, the pro- the problem is, it. I feel like it's such a gap in my knowledge. Uh, yeah, it is. Like, okay, my, I don't know if I said this before, but like my, my best, uh, I don't know, comparison to it was like, my girlfriend is really into plants. Uh-huh. Um, like potted plants. And so we'll go to the plant store and she'll be like, look at this plant. Do you have any plants you want? And I'm like, 
I have no opinion on plants. Right. Like, I have no knowledge at all. She's like, look at this cute plant. I'm like, yes, I agree. Because you're saying it. That's all. (laughs) Very similar with Simpsons. Like, I don't have... Like, I've enjoyed it, clearly. Because I'm not a heartless ass. But, like... And Futurama's fucking rad, but... See, see that's the that's thing. That's the other thing. Simpsons see, doesn't connect for no. me the way... Fe- the thing about it is... Ever since I had a kid. Yeah. Okay? Right. Dad and daughter stuff gets me. I am such a banana when it comes to dad and daughter stuff. Right. The end of Endgame, when he looks up and says, I love you 3,000, tears fucking gets me right you know it doesn't it doesn't have to be like particularly deep and i'll still just be like oh yeah but simpsons doesn't like the even the homer and maggie or homer and maggie homer and lisa episodes don't connect for me the way that jurassic bark from futurama does and i'm not a dog person or uh luck of the fryrish and I'm an only child. <laughs> like, those connect for me more, despite never having that kind of connection, right? than the episodes that are ostensibly directly connected to something I've experienced. Right. Yep, and it's senses. just... Yeah. <clears throat> I, yeah. I can't... Yeah. It's never... It's been funny, but I don't pay it attention... Is. I don't pay attention to it enough. Like, so. one, of, one of my favorite... That's not to say I don't like jokes on The Simpsons. It makes me laugh sometimes, but not as consistently as Futurama. But like, you know, watching uh, the one episode where Bart becomes uh, Krusty's assistant and then winds up becoming famous for uh, having a catchphrase and shit. Uh, There's a thing I absolutely love where you see Kent Brockman be sitting at his news desk, like looking over the copy, and he's like, "A horrible tidal wave hit the nation of Kuala La." (laughs) Scratch, scratch, scratch. France. So, like, stuff like that makes me laugh. But, yeah, it just doesn't... It doesn't connect for me. Anyway, yeah. the reason I bring this up... Oh, right. ...is because I just watched the episode where Homer has the barbershop quartet. Sure. And, uh, they're like... They decide on the name the B-Sharps because they say they need a name that sounds... That sounds clever the first time you hear it but becomes less clever the more you hear it. And that's kind of the way I feel about Empire. Yes. Somebody was just like, yeah! Yeah. Oh, we're really... Co- <clears throat> we're really calling it that. Ooh. All right. Uh, but yeah, I don't really know what Empire is going... Like, I don't know. And there's an Annihilation thing going on, too? Yeah, I remember that's... they had announced that at uh, one of the com- New York Comic Con? It was just a yeah. It's a it's a new annihilation storyline, uh, and yeah, and then we have outlawed, and I I'm getting flashbacks here. Um, yeah. In as much as 
man. Because Civil War. I can't do it again. That that can't happen again. This is this is the okay boomer Civil War. Uh, this is young heroes are outlawed for reasons and things. You have to imagine they're outlawed because one of them got murdered or well, something. It says that you know something tragic happens, which okay, but. The, the thing about it is, the first Civil War, um, because Civil War Two was its own weird thing, uh, and was mainly, that was, that was sort of a, uh, an inhuman MacGuffin thing, but the first Civil War could have been really interesting, because, you know... Tackling the concept of where does your right to privacy end and national security begin in a post-9-11 world... And, and a post-Patriot Act world. In a post-Patriot Act world is a rich vein to explore. Right. But <sighs> they, they burned through that really quickly and then it wound up that everybody was competing... In the absolute loss of fucking perspective Olympics, and you've got like Tony Stark cloning Thor, and he and Reed Richards locking people up in the negative zone, and it's just like, hey guys, you think maybe you kind of overshot this whole thing a little bit? Are um, you? You're super villains now. Like seriously? Like that's not. And yeah, and Cap completely loses perspective as well everybody turns out either an asshole or an idiot and i'm speaking here specifically of peter. or collateral damage or collateral damage yeah peter's an idiot throughout the entirety of civil war because he's, he's trying to have it all all ways and you just can't fucking do that idiot um and if this is again like we're doing this for your own good that is not a story I want to read, but just because the con like, if that's your your touch off, unless that's the like the the misdirect lead the the misdirect lead in, and then the kids get to have like a cool fucking adventure. Like then I'm in. Like they get to have a Goonies and save the world at the same time. Maybe. Um, that would be cool as shit. I, but I don't know if that's what's... If that's what there's... That can't... You know... If it doesn't sound like that's what they're selling... If they got to have a Goonies, that would be fun. And save the world. That that would be cool. But if that's not what's going on, then... I don't care. I kind of feel like Goonies is basically what the new Champions book had been. Sure. Yeah. Uh, just like... Let's go save the... You know. Let's go save the world. We all have superpowers uh, and our children. Um, yeah. yeah. Alright. Um, do you want to talk about the dumbest thing? I really don't. I, <laughs> I want to talk about it, but I don't want to dwell on the stupidity of... 
yeah, the f- guy because... frame this for me. Okay. All right. In what context do you want to talk about the dumbest thing? I want to talk about specifically the clip. Okay. And then specifically Jim Starlin. Okay. Let's do it. So, if you've not been following uh, some Trump group, I I saw it said that they were the re-election committee for Trump. I don't know. Whatever. They posted a, a clip wherein uh, you have Thanos with Trump's head, and he goes, snap, and I'm doing the general version so you can hear how dumb it is on its own before I get into the specifics of how dumb it is. Uh, he goes, snap, and then you see Pelosi and other top Democrats turning to dust. And they're like, his re-election is inevitable. The problem is. So number one. The problem we're going to discuss is. Number one. You are casting your candidate as a genocidal madman operating on a cosmic scale. A, A character that literally killed half of a... And I realize, so Thanos is portrayal in the movies they try to humanize him somewhat that's its own separate issue in his in, but, in infinity war he's been humanized by the time we're it's we're fucking done in endgame yeah but anyway but you know they try to make it about well it's about resources and blah 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 and oh but he really loved gamora yank uh all of that it's still insane <sighs> Like, regardless of any of the humanization, which no, that's, it that, is. Like, that's the point the, of the movie. The, the, is... problem, the problem with Thanos in the movies is there's no pushback. Like, there's no pushback on the fact that he loved Gamora. And it's like, yeah, every abuser thinks they love the person they're abusing. Right. But, you know, here you literally have the universe saying, yeah, he did. <laughs> like, but anyway, that's, that's its all own separate thing. But either way... He's still a madman. Yes. Either way, he's still committing cosmic genocide. <laughs> yes. And this is who you're making your candidate. This is your guy? Um, but, so there's that. But also, they chose the clip they chose for Thanos. Now, admittedly, the one in Infinity War, he does have the axe in his neck. But, the one they chose is the I Am Inevitable from Endgame, where he goes, I am inevitable, and then snaps the Iron Man gauntlet, and that's what happens. Now, this is why it's always very important, if you are going to reference something, that you at least have a passing knowledge of it, because this scene is literally, like, they cut it off before he realizes the Infinity Stones are gone, and he literally dies and loses his entire army. Uh, so, great, great choice. Good job, guys. Well done. Uh, <clears throat> so, yeah. Uh, but Jim Sterling spoke out about it and went on CNN. Um, I'm not super stoked about the way he goes. Because, uh, here's the thing. 
One of the things he says is that Trump acts like a teenage girl whining about having a bad day. What really kind of sucks is if you just say a teenager whining about having a bad day, well, sure. Fine. Yeah. Teenagers suck. If you're a teenager listening to this, I have news for you. <laughs> you suck. <laughs> and that's okay. You kind of suck. You're a teenager. You're, you're supposed, supposed to, to suck. Yeah. Like, that's part of it. You're trying to figure out who you are, and in the process, you're annoying every adult around you, and, like, your hormones are pounding in your head, and you act like everything is the biggest thing to happen ever, and it's just like, no, you're literally going through what everybody goes through. Yep. Um, and part of that... Bar- barring, like, abuse or, Sure, you know, but, like, but on the normal, normalized version of it the average teenager yeah, is supposed um, to be yeah you're supposed to kind of suck we're all uh, we were all assholes but so often people say teenage girl and it's just kind of like that's not okay that's not but whatever yeah because uh, the dudes uh, you teenage boys you suck too possibly more uh, no i don't know uh, now i've gone too far no Let's go. i think that i think i mean teenage boys are because not only not only do you have all of the normal, like, teenage angst, but you're also just angry boners all the time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, but that's, that's... Neither here nor there. So Starlin goes on CNN, and he's just like, you know, there's not a lot I can do about it, because they're basically protected by the First Amendment, and it's satire, and yada, yada, yada. He's like, but I do, I, it really annoys me. He says, he said at first that he felt somewhat violated, but then he kind of walked that back because he's just like, I realize that has a lot of Me Too connotations. So let me just say, I am really unhappy about this, but there's not a lot I can do about it. Uh, Stuff like that. Um, I don't, I really just don't get it. I don't get why you would look at any, you have, if you, if you're going to do the MCU, because like Endgame, Infinity War and Endgame are kind of the biggest comic book movies that have happened in the last couple years. Um, If you're going to do Endgame, why would you be the villain why would you cast yourself when, as when that captain america is sitting right there right like i don't know and i can make a metaphor out of that way easier i can make you could you could do you could do like i'm not i'm not saying i want to see this i'm oh saying god, like, I if, you're going, if i do i will fucking die if you're going to do something like that you have Cap standing there during the big group shot saying Avengers assemble and you have the people around him as McConnell and Barr and Nunez and whoever else. But like why the fucking villain? Yeah. Anyway, let's talk about comics. Yay. Uh, Avengers number 155 is written by Jerry Conway, penciled by George Perez, inked by Pablo Marcos, colored by Glennis Ween, and lettered by John Costanza. Um, So, the Avengers are taken out by Doom uh, and his 
Atlantean allies. Um, <clears throat> he he straps them all down and starts poking around in their brains and discovers that they were sent there by Atuma. Um, and, uh, you know, that they're, that Atuma sent them after Namor. I will say the, these opening shots of like the fight are pretty cool because it kind of, it kind of has like all the ancillary action on either side. And then like the thrust of what's going on in the middle, kind of the recap of like how we got here and the parts you need to know. While at the same time, here's the battle between everybody, and it's it's pretty good. I gotta I gotta give him credit here, uh, and George Perez is is really uh, picking up in in his art. So, yeah. and Perez Perez was the artist when I started reading Avengers. Oh, okay. so uh, Perez is sort of because it was uh, I want to say the one nineties maybe. That I first picked up an Avengers issue. Wow. Uh, but anyway, the uh, the upshot of all of this is they lose, and Doctor Doom starts probing their minds, learns about Azuma, and he's just like, "Well, shit." <laughs> um, but, well, uh, and he and Namorita are going back and forth because she's like, "Okay, what the fuck is going on?" Because I just fought ostensibly my brother's friends. And, uh, we kicked the shit out of them. A, I want that noted. It was me and you and a bunch of fucking just regular Atlanteans, uh, beat up the Avengers. Let's not lose sight of that. They all look like they've had the shit kicked out of them before we did it. And how... I think, and Doom's like, I'm pretty sure the only reason that we won is because they didn't know Namor wasn't here and that I was. And... There's too much confusion. Then they pulls Yatuma out of Captain America's mind. And everyone's like, "All right, that makes sense. Fuck yeah. that guy." Okay. So uh, then we we have a thing about like uh, Wonder Man, Beast, and Wizard uh, making their way to find the Avengers, and Wonder Man kind of provides us a brief recap of who the fuck he is. Uh, which is nice of him. Well, I mean, it's it's good for newer readers because yeah, Wonder Man was a while ago. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Um. But yeah, so they are they are trying to track down the Avengers. Meanwhile, uh, the Avengers are all sort of splayed out on this table. Uh, shackled down. Um, and... So... When they come to, Sorry. Well, the first thing is, like... And I just want to mention it real fast, because I don't know what the fuck it's going to do, but Tamara is, like... Vision's got red skin. I have red skin. Maybe, maybe he's one of my own. And it's like, no. No, I'm sorry, lady. Your whole race is... Your whole people are dead. Yeah. It's just you. He's an android. Someone needs to wake up and tell you this. Um, Vision and... After they kind of come to... Yeah. Vision and Cap and Wanda work together to get Vision's control collar off. 
Right. Yeah. Wanda is able to use a little bit of magic to kind of fling Cap's shield up. Cap catches it and then, like, just, with just the tiniest flick of his wrist, because he has, like, no, uh, no room to maneuver, he flicks the shield up, it bounces back and trashes Vision's control collar. Um, but what I love here is that Vision's like, okay, peace. And they're all just like, what the, what the fuck? What? And it just goes, and he doesn't even like pause or turn or anything. He just goes up and every Iron Man's come to at this time. And he's like, what the hell? And Wanda is literally yelling at him like, your pissed off spouse. Yeah. Because... She is his pissed off spouse now. Yeah. Um, I don't want to... Any of these spouses are not people I would fuck with. They're... They're not... Yeah. But, uh... So we have... We have Namor heading toward Atuma. At the same time, Beast Wizard and Wonder Man arrive at the... Because Atuma's going after this device that these people of this sea lab have built and uh and uh atuma wants to steal it because it will allow him to create more people like that tyrak guy last issue that just fucking laid the avengers out uh it also it also make he'll be able to make tyrak just enormous yeah like that's the plan uh, so, Atuma attacks, Beast Wizard and Wonder Man show up, and they start battering his forces, uh, but then Namor shows up, and so Atuma's, like, gonna flip this around, and he's like, quickly, my friends, talking to Beast, uh, Wonder Man, and Wizard, and he's just like, let's, uh, let's get him before he has an opportunity and so Namor thinks that Beast, Wonder Man, and Wizard I missed, are working with Atuma. The beat's real quick, and I missed it the first time through, and was like, why does... Is Namor just that big an asshole? And now... He is. He is, but, but also, like, I missed I missed that, that beat. So, yeah. they start um, fighting, is the gist of it. And Wonder Man ought to be able to kind of handle Namor. I think he gets depowered as the as the time goes by, but he and Namor go pretty well toe to toe, and it's only because Wizard manages to confuse Namor that. Uh, yeah, because when he's running, Namor thinks that Wizard is Quicksilver, but then he slows down enough that Namor's like, "Oh, you're I know you. You wouldn't be working with Atuma." What the fuck is going on? Beast, meanwhile, so Atuma gets away with the device, so Beast jumps in the water and makes his way to Atuma's sub, gets aboard, blah, blah, blah. Um, the end. So Wonder Man and Wizard are able to get Namor to a point, like, <laughs> they knock do- him out, but then eventually they're going to be able to talk to him. And in the end, Vision, we find out, Rather than freeing everybody, he made a beeline right for Doom, and he's like, I've got a deal to offer you. And yeah. Doom is like, Doom is listening. Doom. Uh, so Avengers 156 
is written by Jim Shooter, penciled by Sal Bushima, colored by Don Warfield, and lettered by Joe Rosen. Um, we rewind for a brief second and see the beginning of the interaction again. Um, and basically what Vision says is, look, you know, you have Atuma bearing down on you with the full strength of his army. Free the Avengers. Atuma is a threat to us all. Let's work together. Let's defeat him. And then we can work out our shit afterward. Um, because, because he appeals to, he appeals to Doom by saying, world domination means world. That means Latveria. And Doom's like, that is a point I hadn't considered. And, uh, so yeah. So, they let everybody loose. Vision is, is continuing to be all broody about, like, is Wonder Man the real deal and I'm just a pale imitation? And it's just, it's really, it's really frustrating because it's just like, whatever. Like, but, I don't know what the end of his thought process is. Like, okay, let's say you are a crude imitation. Does that mean... Wonder Man deserves all your stuff? No. You are the one that fell in love and wooed Wanda. Wanda loves you, so you... That means something. Like, I don't know why he's skipping that part. Yeah. Because well, it seems like that's, like, he's created a blind spot on purpose for he's, that. He's stuck in a loop here. Because yeah. it's just basically, like... I'm the imitation, he's the real deal. I'm the imitation, he's the real deal. He doesn't follow that through to where it's just kind of like, you know, like Hellboy does the whole, like, it doesn't matter your origins, all that matters is who you become. And Vision just can't quite get there. Right. And it's really frustrating. Um, so... Uh, Namor comes to, and this is the point at which they're just like, so yeah, uh, we're, Atuma, Atuma played you, uh, and Namor's like, god damn it, of course he did. So they make their way back to, um, is it the Avengers ship? I think so. Yeah. But so there's a, there's a comm line beeping, and it turns out that it's Beast contacting them from Atuma's cell, um... And, uh, so they take, they take the ship and dive down underwater. Uh, Beast is spotted, though, because of course he is. Um, whatever. Um, but yeah, uh... The Avengers all get up, and that's when Vision comes back and is like, okay, uh, apologize... Well, he's being cold and shitty again because Wanda's like, "Holy shit, you came back! I'm so, I was so worried about you. I didn't know what to think." And he's like, "I, you presumed I, was, I deserted in fear. It seemed not obvious that we needed an ally. I acquired one." And it's like, "Hey, man, chill. Like, don't don't be this way." This is this is one of the things that's really hard is when you're when you're in a long term relationship. 
it's really hard to be going through your shit and not make it the other person's problem. Right. That's uh, true. But, you know, still. Fucking asshole. Anyway. Uh, uh, anyway, he... Yeah, he frees everybody and he tells them we're all going to be allied with Doom now. And they're like, well, okay. Yeah. Uh, the... There's a big old kind of knockdown drag out between the Avengers with Doom, the Avengers with Namor, and Atuma. In the end, the cell stimulator is recaptured. Um, uh, and Doom, Doom has his own plans for the cell stimulator, but... Vision destroys it before he has a chance to do anything. Uh, Doom is just like, whatever, I don't need this shit, and takes off. Uh, and there's a brief moment where Cap's like, huh, what's that? And goes to investigate, which picks up in the next issue, but whatever. Uh, he comes back and he's just kind of like, huh, okay. <laughs> and uh, that's the end of that. There is a brief thing here at the end. Uh, as I recall, where Wonder Man kind of notices Wanda and is just like, hey, hey, what's your deal? Hey, pretty lady. And uh, and she's just like, I fuck off, dude. And uh, <laughs> Vision's like, no, no, this is the way it should be. Uh, so then we pick up with supervillain team up number 10, uh, which is written by Bill Mantlo, penciled by Bob Hall. Inked by Don Perlin, colored by Don Warfield, and lettered by Gaspar Saladino, Karen Mantlo, and Irving Watanabe. Um, so what Cap saw was a weird thing that was like watching the Avengers. Um, and uh, he went after it, but the, the guy piloting it kills himself. So he goes uh, to the Latverian embassy in New York City and uh, gives his evidence to Doom. And we, 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 the audience, finally get a good look on it. And it's uh, a swastika with a skull on it. And it's like, ah, oh, son of a bitch. Yeah, it's, it's really frustrating. The issue itself keeps trying to kind of... Uh, soft sell the reveal even though the cover has the red skull yeah. on it and it's just like yeah it's the red skull Yeah, no guys it's the red skull it's the and then at the very end of the issue the red skull is in shadow and they're and they're trying to be like I wonder who it will be and it's like it's the red skull <laughs> like but whatever so we, we step aside to Atlantis where Namor's coming back and he's like, okay, well, I'm really going to do it this time. I'm really going to commit to being Prince and figuring out how to get my people out of stasis and fixed. Let's do this. Let's do this. And then somebody fucks up his shit. Yeah, there's an earthquake which he tracks to some underwater drilling equipment. And he investigates and rips shit up because it rips shit up 
because that's what Namor does. He grabs a he grabs a random terrified guy and he's like, "Who are you? What's going on?" And he's like, "Orbiter, I don't know. I'm just a guy." <laughs> He'll kill and me. It was the orbiter who planned who did this. All right, fine. I'm gonna figure out where the where. Uh, and well, we skip to Latveria. And the, this is what's uh, they've been they've been putting all the pieces of this in place, and it's really kind of frustrating because the Red Skull stuff has only really served to confuse the stuff with the Tuma yeah. and the stuff with Doom. And it's fine. It's I'm not saying you can't lay the seeds of something while dealing with something else, but it's just like. There was already a ton going on in this storyline. Did we really and then, need it? And then you added Red Skull. And then it was just like, who are all these people hanging around? Who do they work for? Yeah. And it's just like, there's somebody else. Like, I'm glad that they dealt with Atuma before they got to this. Yeah. But because I was genuinely, the way they were setting it up, I was worried that it was going to wind up being... The Avengers, Shroud, Namor, Doom, Red Skull, Atuma, and just Red like, Skull, Atuma, Rodolfo, uh, the Latverian Resistance is revolt is Rodolfo, and then like that's too many things, guys. Yeah. So uh, we switch to Latveria, and Prince Rodolfo is still posing as Doom. Uh, he and the Shroud make their way through, uh, the guards at Doom's Palace. And when they get in there, we, of course, have the shrouded, uh, mystery figure with the red, uh, skull-shaped head. And, uh... Rodolfo, Rodolfo is blasted. I, I was curious because he's just kind of left that way and we don't really... Uh, he gets up in the later issues. Well, he kind of he like moves around a bit, but he's still seriously injured. Right. And apparent, apparently he never shows up again. And appar- apparently in a later issue of Fantastic Four, they say, yeah, he died there. Oh. Uh, but so... Uh, Shroud is just like, oh shit, you're not Doom. Meanwhile, Doom and Cap are headed back to uh, to Latveria. To Latveria when they are un- attacked and uh, by Doom's own dr- seeker drones, because of course they are. <laughs> um, and so, like Luke and Han, uh, Cap jumps on the. Uh, jumps on the gunner's seat and starts shooting a bunch of them. But one gets through and hits the ship. Uh, And then at the end, it's just like, Red Skull, it was Red Skull the whole time. Did you know it was going to be Red Skull? I bet you didn't. And it's like, (laughs) he's on the cover, guy. Anyway. Uh, But yeah, so then supervillain team up number 11, uh, which is lettered by Irving Watanabe, um, is is a whole lot of trying to... I kind of want to burn through this issue because it's just a lot. Um, Rodolfo's down. Shroud gets knocked out. 
uh, or knocked down, um, and is made to watch Cap and Doom screaming to their death. Uh, but it turns they're able to eject, but it turns out whatever hit them shrunk them. Yeah, so there's the the mystery is that they were hit by the rainbow ray, which I guess if I would have been reading earlier would be a thing that I knew what was, but I didn't know. So yeah, they eject, but when they land, they're two inches tall. Yeah. So uh, because he knows the defenses, Doom gets them inside because there's a little like uh, like there's a. Uh, it's a storm drain. Yeah, in and he's boat. just like, I don't, I don't watch it because no, it's too small for anybody to get in. But oh, what do you know? And then Namor shows up, and he's just like, "You've been fucking up my kingdom too." And Red Skull's like, "Yeah, I have. What I, of it?" That's that's my deal. Like, we've met. <laughs> yeah, um, and so he. Uh, he offers an allyship, Red Skull, to Namor, and Namor's like, this is a bad deal, but, uh, I don't remember why. I don't know. But the Shroud, the Shroud is like, dude, he's a Nazi. You fought Nazis. Yeah. What are you doing? And Namor's like, yeah, that's true. Uh, but the the skull hits him upside the head again. Um, but anyway, so Cap and Cap and Doom make their way in, and they're in the course of like attacking Red Skull, despite being the size of action figures. And Namor's just like, hmm, yeah. So he hits a button which regrows them, and. Uh, it's it's an all out it's a it's an all out attack from there uh yeah. and in the middle of it shroud <coughs> shroud tries to kill doom again and caps like son you need to knock it the fuck off <laughs> and uh that's what it is is shroud jumps tries to jump doom again and cap gets in the way and is like hey not now Maybe later. Now that. And he's like, Strad's like, what? But you're my hero. Why would you stop me from murdering Doom? Yeah. Because I'm Captain America and I don't let people murder people. What the fucking. Where you been? Uh, But so, uh, so Red Skull retreats to the throne and throws up a force shield. And he's like, this is your force shield, Doom. You know it's impenetrable. And Doom's like, curses, it is. And then Rodolfo like, presses a button which teleports Red Skull. And they're like, what the fuck happened to him? And then Red Skull calls from the moon and he's just like, ha ha, now I'm here and I've got this satellite that I've been building based on Doom's plans and blah, 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 whatever. Anyway, supervillain team-up number 12 is colored by George Russo's and lettered by Gaspar Saladino and Tom Orzakowski. This is the issue that I I dig. First of all, this cover is awesome because it's got it's got like Red Skull coming down from the top left corner on this weird like 
Um, speeder bike with a yeah. fucking giant cannon on the front of it, and it's shooting directly between Doom's legs, and Doom's got a gun, and he's just standing there like, come at me, you yeah. fuck. His, his tunic is being ripped to shreds by the explosion, but it's one of those, like, I'm Doom, I don't move for anybody kind of moments. Yeah. But, so Red Skull's on the moon, and he's getting ready to uh, start up his hypno-ray. The thing about it is, so, Cap and Doom go, or no, I'm sorry, Shroud and Doom go to try and stop him. Cap's, like, monitoring from the ground, and he's like, Namor, we've got to do something about this. And Namor is like, not my fucking problem, bro. Bye. Even though, isn't it? Like, yeah. it's a giant hypno-ray. <laughs> It's I feel going, like that's gonna affect the Atlanteans, but whatever. He believes the Ray will be incapable of affecting himself, and therefore he doesn't... And also his subjects, so he's like, I don't care. Bye. Yeah. Which is... This is what I really hate about Namor, is like... They give him opportunity after opportunity to do, like, the basic right thing. Yeah. Because he's there, his his subjects are still out cold. Doom, Doom did promise to help fix them, right? Uh, but Doom is kind of busy trying to save the world with Cap and Shroud. So it's not like it's not like Namor has anything pressing to do right this second. He can't until Doom fixes his people. But whatever. So, uh. Doom and Shroud head for the moon. Doom sh drops the Shroud off at the Ray um, because he's like, if, if Red Skull prepares to do it or to fire it, then you need to sabotage it, but don't do it before. And so uh, he goes to have his showdown with Red Skull. And I have to say, his showdown with Red Skull is fucking awesome. Because, yeah. I mean, look, Red Skull is evil. He's a Nazi. He's an evil, evil dude. But Red Skull ain't Dr. Doom. And, and it's really great because it's basically like Red Skull keeps coming at Doom, but ultimately Doom wins out because he's fucking Dr. Doom. Right. And he just leaves the skull to die on, on the moon. Meanwhile, the Shroud starts thinking that he knows what's going on, even though he clearly doesn't. Like, we've established, you're an idiot, dude. But he's just like, fuck it, I'll go ahead and sabotage it. What he didn't realize is that by sabotaging it now, it moves up its firing. So, right. way to go, dipshit. He manages to, uh, to destroy it, but, yeah whatever uh but yeah uh doom buries the red skull in a bunch of rocks and then like the red skull's men come to uh to his aid and doom's like i've bested your master you have a choice join me or die and they're just like hail doom <laughs> <laughs> so yeah sounds good so yeah um Whatever. Anyway. They leave the Red Skull on the moon with a cracked head or er, faceplate. And uh, that's 
That's not a bad way to do it. That is a really rad fight. I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, it's it's really awesome, and it's just it's it's fun sometimes to see two villains just fucking going at it. Um, well, like the way he gets him off, the way Doom gets Skull off the speeder bike is like he this giant jagged blade extends in like a weird grip fashion from the underside of one of his uh gauntlets and he basically limbos underneath it as skull goes over and he just shreds the bottom yeah that's rad skull manages to do some damage to doom's armor which causes him to start leaking air but then he ices it up yeah um and stuff like that but the skull can't do that so he gonna die. Except he won't of because it's not. comics. Uh, so let's go ahead and take a break and then we'll dig into Daredevil Annual Number 4. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Moving yeah, on. Because we, we got to... Burn through this Daredevil Annual. Yeah. Uh, Daredevil Annual number four is written by Marv Wolfman and Chris Claremont, penciled by George Tusca and Marie Severin, inked by Frank Chiaramonti, colored by Bonnie Wilford, and lettered by Annette Kowacki. Matt arrives back in New York from L.A. after dealing with all the Black Widow stuff and the... Or not the Black Widow stuff, the stuff with... Uh, what is her fucking name? Karen, Karen Page. Page. Yes. Karen Page and her not dad, the the Stone Skull. What, what? Death's Head. Yes, Death's Head. Uh, anyway, so he comes back. Heather's waiting for him, uh, and she's just like, "Wanna fuck?" And he's like, "I got some stuff to do." And she's like, "By the way, your best friend nearly got killed." And he's like, and the, "Okay." And the letterbox uh, says. Uh, don't worry about that. We'll deal with it later. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Black Panther is meeting with this dude who's just like, I have an invention. It's going to be awesome, but I need some vibranium. Uh, and Black Panther's like, I don't know. We can talk about it. I'll have to look into like what this involves. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. He's like, okay, here's what I'm doing. It's going to harvest tidal energy and beam it to the surface. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Um, like he's kind of coy on like delivery of this of this energy yeah it's uh, it's one of those like it'll it'll be like harvest tidal energy beam it to the surface question mark profit yeah. kind of setups uh but as they're talking his son gets abducted blah 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 his name so, is uh Robert Mallory yes uh the the upshot of all of this is you have Daredevil who's just kind of out swinging around and winds up in the middle of things you have Black Panther who's going after Mallory's son you have Namor who's going after Mallory because he thinks the new technology is going to wind up uh, hurting the oceans so he and Daredevil come into conflict several times Daredevil in the course of things winds up finding Black Panther who was knocked out and abducted by the same dudes that took uh, 
the kid hostage, but he's able to break out. It all kind of comes together. Happy ending, blah, blah, blah. Matt tells Namor, hey, we'll take care of this in the courts. I understand, like, you know, if this is unsafe, we will deal with it in a way that does not involve, like, knocking buildings over. And Namor's like, fine, I will leave it in the hands of your courts. And that's, yeah, that's pretty much, like, there's this Costa guy who becomes a supervillain for, like, a minute. Oh, I forgot about that entirely. Yeah, it's really, it's really dumb. It is he not becomes the, the mind master. And I had meant to look. I don't remember if I even did. So he becomes uh, the mind master by... Their hideout is in an abandoned university lab that was sold to the Magia because the university wasn't using it anymore. And... Needed the money. Needed the money, and they just left all the equipment in it. So, in, in the course of the fight, he gets kicked. This Costa guy gets kicked into one of the machines, and it turns him into this guy. Yeah. Uh, don't leave your highly volatile machines when you sell a building. I mean, you know... Just, if, it'll, if it'll add a few bucks to the sales price. I mean, I've never bought or sold a house before, um, but so I don't know how this works. But I imagine, yeah, you're right. Maybe it drew, maybe they were like, oh, leave some of the science shit around if you don't mind. I like, I like the ambiance. And the university people were like, uh, extra extra million? Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, leave it around. We can, we can spare that. Okay, cool. Whatever. Uh, he's immediately reverted and never shows up again. Fantastic. So, who cares? Uh, they... He takes over Panther for a minute, but then, like, they break his hold and wind up overloading him to where he reverts back to Ru- Rufio Costa. Mm-hmm. Rufi! Oh! Uh, yeah. Whatever. We got, we got farther along before that happened than I thought we would. I don't gotta impress you. I don't give a shit. Anyway, uh, so the the old, this story is long and kind of a mess, but good takeaway. Like, if I gotta say something nice about it, Panther and Daredevil are great. Like, yeah. like that, that dynamic is fun as hell. Um, I'd forgotten how fun it was. Uh, since the last time they were together was in Avengers before Black Panther left. Um, And it's, they're just fun. They're, they're good buddies. I like the fact that uh, uh, Daredevil, Panther figured out, like, because Panther knows who Matt is, like it, or who Daredevil is, it just cuts through a lot of bullshit real quick. Um, And they can just, work together really well it's it's neat um yeah so super villain team up number 13 and again i feel like this is one we can burn right through uh is written by bill mantlo penciled by keith giffen inked by don perlin colored by don warfield and lettered by bruce patterson uh so doom promised to help namor with his subjects so now he has to uh 
But when they when they get to Atlantis, they find it's been taken over by Warlord Krang. Um, and so Doom's like, fine, whatever, we'll deal with this shit. So... Well, Namor goes apeshit and is like, no, nah, not in my fucking house. And basically causes enough of a distraction that Doom, in his weird Doom sub, uh, can slip by unnoticed, mostly unnoticed, and actually just get to... He's like, I'm not really into uh, fighting warlords, I don't have to. Uh, I promise... Yeah, Doom doesn't Doom doesn't give it. Yeah. He's just like, fine, whatever. I promised <laughs> to fix your people, I'm gonna go do that. If you're all dead when I'm done, I don't give a shit. And what I, what I, what's really annoying about this is Namor's people have been such a thing for so long at this point, and Doom just rolls in, and he's just like, "There, I fixed it." <laughs> well, there's your problem. Um, well, there's your problem. You got it plugged in backwards, you yeah. dummies. It's like, oh, yeah. But uh, Krang uses that trumpet Namor had used at one point. Uh, and calls up a thing called the Blasphemous Horror. Uh, because nothing can go wrong calling on something called the Blasphemous Horror. Uh, but Namor, uh, <coughs> Namor attempts to fight the Blasphemous Horror, but then, like, all of his subjects that Doom had revived come and, uh, uh, deal with it like they his, deal with his, people come and join him and they kind of keep warlord krang's people off of him yep. while he deals with the horror and then uh krang is just like this is bullshit and tries to take doom on and doom is like whatever man and just like ruins him and uh in the end like doom is just like i'm not really gonna i'm not gonna kill you even though I could but it's not really my job and I don't care enough so you're Namor's problem <laughs> Namor's, Namor's like fantastic the thing that I really like is Doom is standing in the course of this Doom is standing over the defeated Krang and he's like about to kill him and Krang's like Namor just exiles me. What are you doing? And he's like, I'm not fucking Namor, bro. But, <clears throat> so Namor uh, resumes his uh, his reign over Atlantis. Doom is just like, cool. Well, you have fun with all your people loving you or whatever. Seems nice, but not really my thing. Bye. Um, there is, there's this like, really quick I don't know where it is beginning or end of the story but like name or doom does have a bit of self-reflection where he's like I rule with power and you rule with your people's love well that's different different strokes yeah it's, it's, the, end of, it's the end of the issue because he's just like he's like watching Namor's people like cheer uh, if you go to the next page I think Oh, yeah. It's when he's just like, yeah, that's cool. Not really, not really my thing though. So, uh, well, he's it's it. He just he doesn't get so far as to be like, maybe I could try that. It's more like he just respects the game. He's like, <laughs> he's like, 
All right. Well, we all got our different approaches. Yeah. You do you, I guess. You're you're still a king. All right. Bye. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, it's kind of the end of that. Iron Man number ninety-two is written by Jerry Conway, penciled by George Tusca, inked by Jack Abel, colored by Don Warfield, and lettered by Joe Rosen and Irving Watanabe. There's an explosion at Stark International uh, because most things involving Iron Man at this point in time seem to start with an explosion at a Stark facility. It's just like something blows up and then we're off. Um... But uh, he, go, he goes back to his office and he's just like, man, what the fuck, guys? Um, but uh, there's, a, there's a brief thing where Chrissy, who we're assured by the issue is like, we haven't missed an issue. She's just there. Uh, <laughs> but she is now her the secretary yeah, since, since Pepper. Pepper left. Uh, and I was also assured that I knew who Chrissy was, and I was like, okay. Sure, guys. <laughs> um, so Chrissy and Abe are leaving a meeting, and it turns out that there is some device that Stark has devised that another company already has a patent for. Um, and okay, like, here we go. Hard-hitting, intellectual, property law, action. Um, but they they use the car phone to call Tony and they're just like, Hey, so... So we're about to get the shit sued out of us. And he's like, that's impossible. I invented that myself. I know it. And maybe I picked something up out of the ether, but I swear to God, I didn't steal it. Yeah. And they're like, well... They're going to sue the shit out of us anyway. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. Uh, and then they're attacked. There's a there's a military convoy that comes under attack, and so Stark goes after it. It turns out it's the Melter, um, and he is stealing some prototype bomb. Um, the Melter and Iron Man face off, and the Melter has apparently improved his gear somewhat, so Iron Man is dealt with in fairly like he melts the shit out of the Iron Man armor. And so Tony goes over the side and falls in the water, ditches the armor, and so the the uh the harbor patrol pulls a naked Tony out of the river and they're just like, Hey uh what you doing, Mr. Stark? <laughs> And he, of course, has to pull some bullshit about, like, you know, a yacht full of uh, Playboy bunnies or something out of his ass. And they're just like, man, it must be nice. And, uh... It must be nice. Dude, I was in the fucking river. (laughs) And this is is the Hudson. Like... It's cold, and I'm probably dying. Yeah, he's, he's definitely picked up at least, like, 12 different infections right now. Um, but so he, uh, we get a brief vignette of, uh, the, that cop O'Brien whose brother died because he went crazy, who still blames Tony Stark, thinks his brother was murdered, yada, yada, yada. Do not care. I miss Kevin O'Brien. And I guess that's his problem too. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, but so, um, I heard enough Melter, people saying boyo. Yeah. Uh, Melter is at his hideout and is getting ready to like do something. Uh, when suddenly something bursts through the wall and it's the gold Iron Man armor, his second armor. Uh, well, I mean, technically his first that he just painted, but whatever. Uh, bursts through the wall and he starts like blasting it, but it turns out it's basically just being controlled remotely. Which and, uh, gives Tony the opportunity to come in from a different direction and punch him in the head a couple of times. Smash his apparatus. And the melter goes out the window and he's like, It was a ghost! It was a ghost! I killed you! And everything. And this is, you know, reading this issue, it's not a surprise Armor Wars happens. Because he ditches a, a suit of armor... Under in the under river the Hudson, he did like the uh, the golden armor gets blasted all the shit, and he just walks away like it's just sitting there, like yeah, no wonder people are ripping your shit off. <clears throat> Speaking anyway. of intellectual property problems, you yeah. need to be a little more controlling of your brand. Yeah, just a bit. Uh, so then we get Jungle Action number 24. Which I will call the most confusing issue of the week. <laughs> because, okay, it, oh, do the thing. Uh, Jungle Action is written by, uh, Don McGregor, penciled by Rich Buckler and Keith Pollard, uh, inked by Keith Pollard, colored by Al Wenzel, lettered by Shelley Lefferman and Denise Wall. Um, so it's actually kind of cool like as a story but the problem is it goes almost nowhere um the setups the setup's pretty neat so we we start with in media res i believe uh mise-en-scene one of the two and uh mise-en-scene is uh is just like everything that goes into a scene isn't it i don't know i i'm a terrible film geek anyway uh when you start in the middle of things that's in media res panther is chained to a water wheel yeah mise-en-scene is the arrangement of scenery and stage properties sweet in a play okay then then that was wrong i am wrong i am wrong you're fired i'm wrong a lot so like it doesn't even it doesn't even phase me anymore uh, yes, he's tied to a water wheel. We don't really know where it is, but then it pulls out. It looks like it's at a country club. Um, yeah, it's it's really it's really weird. The because descriptions of like how he keeps going around and around the water wheel, and you know, being dunked under the water and then brought back up again and splashed and then dunked again. Um, that's all really cool, and like the way that the all the descriptions are really cool and the 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 uh, art is very well done as well to sort of convey what's going on it's just it it doesn't land like i know it's supposed to be a metaphor for something but it doesn't really get there 
Um, we skip back to the Scooby crew here. Yeah, T'Challa and True Blood and Sheriff Tate and, go to visit. And Monica's there. Oh, yeah. Uh, they go to visit Leroy. And uh, Leroy was the last dude that saw Monica's sister alive. Other than the potential killer. Ah. Uh, but yeah, he recounts what happened and how he followed her to the real estate office and there was somebody else there and he's the one who actually called the cops um <clears throat> but uh you know T'Challa T'Challa and Leroy this is this is one of those things that I think this is the fundamental disconnect for Black Panther because he talks he talks to Leroy and he's just kind of like why didn't you say any of this before and Leroy's just like because I'm a realist I know how this works and T'Challa's like you say you're a realist uh, but refuse to confront reality you argue that Angela died due to a system you feel is corrupt yet you hide in that system shadows a system apparently that Angela dared face and you know <clears throat> the thing about it is Wakanda Wakanda as we kind of addressed last time Wakanda was spared a lot of the was it last time or the week before whatever yeah we talked somewhat about how Wakanda was spared some of the some of the horrors of colonialism I think specifically Wakanda was spared a lot of the systemic issues that come with colonialism uh, and that and that blacks have had to face in countries like the US and the UK and I feel like he's kind of out of his depth in arguing this point with Leroy it's like it's like yeah he should in a perfect world, Leroy would have come forward and said, this is what happened. But this is not a perfect world. Yeah. The, the U.S. is a mess and black people do not trust the police. And rightfully so. Well, uh, and he points that out. He's like, okay, slow your goddamn roll. Yeah. Because after he's like, he gets a little, after... A panther gets a little soapboxy with him about confronting the system and all of that. He's like, because what she got herself was dead. I don't really need to be doing that. Like, right. I, I know that you're, you're a king and all, but like, allow me to school you a little. The people that, and then he brings up, uh, basically, you know, how... The people who kill black people in this area go to jail, maybe, but not for very long. Right. So, like, what are... You don't really get to tell me how to behave here, man? Yeah. And we don't really get enough time with that information being given to Jachala for him to, like... How does he absorb that? Yeah. It, cu and the... it, it cuts, and we don't really get to see him... Yeah, assimilate that, or either assimilate or not assimilate that information. Like right. he just, it he just happens. moves on to the next. Thing. Yeah, um, 
And so he goes to see Angela's boss at this country club. And all this time he's being tailed by some guy. And again, I love that uh, they walk in and they're like, they walk into this. Yes, he's being tailed by some dude who can glide. Um, they walk into the country club and somebody says something about it being elegant or and lavish. And Panther's like, this is elegance? Yeah, I I do. That is one of the better parts of the issue. Like, he's fucking king, and he's like, this is tawdry and tacky. What the hell? Yeah, but uh, they have a, they have a brief conversation with Angela's boss. Um, Who is and your quintessential southern villain. Yeah, um, but like... Uh, Ellis Ellis kind of blows them off and T'Challa goes to take a walk around the grounds um, when he's attacked by this flying dude. I forget, what is he called? The Wind Eagle. Wind Eagle? Yes. Uh, but, so, it seems like Windy, so Wind Eagle is connected to the Dragon Circle that was <laughs> vying with the KKK to kill the Lins. Um, but he's been somewhat brainwashed by this Dragon Circle into thinking that uh, the Dragon Circle is correct and that the Black Panther is his enemy. Um and so uh, they are interrupted when a car full of Dragon Circle dudes run over T'Challa. And it's at this point that they then load him up and tie him to the uh, wheel at this old mill that's inexplicably on the grounds of this country club. So we get back, now having been caught up on what's happened up to now, T'Challa breaks the wheel um, and goes to face uh, Wind Eagle, at which point the issue ends. And uh, since this is the last issue of Jungle Action, what winds up happening is we get Black Panther number one, which is by Jack Kirby, and none of this is brought up. Um... And so at a, at a certain point, they retconned that Black Panther's memory of these events was erased. And so they wind up uh, dealing with this later on in like Marvel premiere, I think it was. But yeah, it's just, it's a very, it's a very abrupt ending, uh, suggesting that it was only after the issue had been finished that it was like, yeah, by the way, you're canceled. Um, yeah, it really feels like they didn't know they were getting canceled. And then they got canceled. Yeah, and so it's literally at the end of the issue, it just says, Finn. And that's that. Uh, so Champions number seven is uh, written by Tony Isabella, penciled by George Tusca, inked by Vince Coletta, colored by Phil Rachelson, and lettered by Karen Mantlow. 
there's a, the champions are getting ready for their big debutante ball. Um, they're announcing their existence to the media and blah, blah, blah. Uh, when suddenly there is a weird projectile that comes speeding into the room and flies around. They manage to capture it and they, um, they give it over to Ivan to figure out what the hell it is and where it came from. Uh, Black Widow, meanwhile, sees a dude on the, on the other rooftop and goes to investigate. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, yeah. Then you have, uh, Warren Worthington and Johnny Blaze at the hospital, uh, where they took Rampage, this guy Clark. And Warren Worthington is trying to help Clark because he's just like, you know, the guy got fucked up because of money, uh, you know. And th this is this is the kind of thing I, I like in, in stories with a rich character, wherein it's not just let's beat him down and take him to jail. It's like, you know, this specific person, they were... They were a victim of circumstance, and maybe if we if we help them instead of just tossing them in a jail cell, uh, it could prevent them from, you know, falling victim to recidivism. Uh, Clark isn't having it though. Clark is just like, ha, fuck you, and uh, so whatever. So suddenly there's a there's a kerfuffle. And uh, Blaze and Angel go to investigate, and it turns out that Clark is being taken by Griffin and uh, Darkstar, which I think this is Darkstar's first appearance, I'm pretty sure. Um, I would have to check that. They make it sound, they, throughout this issue, they kind of make it feel like I should know who she is already, and that was weird and off-putting. Yeah, but whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is her first appearance. Oh. But they they kind of trash uh, Johnny and uh, and Warren. And they take off with... They, they attempt to take off with Clark, but in doing so, they slip him a glove. And so when Angel is able to save him, then Clark lays him out. Darkstar wraps him up in these... Uh, Dark Force bands. bands, which this may also be the first appearance of the Dark Force. Oh. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so they uh, Johnny goes downstairs and grabs a motorcycle and starts giving chase. Uh, but they kind of Dark Star throws up these dark force pillars um, which causes him to crash but he's saved by uh, <clears throat> saved by Angel, Angel. Uh, meanwhile back at the at the headquarters um, they're doing a sweep it is the first appearance of the dark force as well cool so, so they're doing a sweep uh, Hercules Iceman and Fenster are doing a sweep to make sure, like, the place is safe 
for tomorrow's inauguration festivities uh, when there's a dude hiding and I don't know if I'm supposed to recognize this dude. Well, no, because this is this is Yuri. Oh. Uh, so they they spot him. Well, they you think they spot him. Yeah. But in fact, they see some kid. Uh, and so Hercules catches the kid, uh, which allows Yuri a chance to get away. Yeah. Um. But. I fucked up. Black Widow doesn't see this guy on the other rooftop until, until now. Yeah. Ivan takes apart the projectile, and in so doing, he discovers there's a black pearl inside. She's like, oh my god, Bruskin. She looks out the window. He's on the opposite rooftop. So she goes out to have a conversation with, you know, to catch him and find out what the fuck he's doing. Uh... They have a brief altercation, but that is then interrupted by the Titanium Men. Uh, Champions number eight is uh, written Bill, by Bill Mantlow, penciled by Bob Hall, inked by Bruce Patterson, colored by Don Warfield, and lettered by Gaspar Saladino and Karen Mantlow. Um, Rampage, Rampage shows up with a set of photos... That he delivers to the champions. Um, and he's just like, ha ha, whatever, fuck y'all. He mentions Outcast, which Ivan reacts to, uh, even though, like, we're never really. We're never really told why that. Why he reacts that way. Yeah. Because then he's, he's just as clueless that Yuri's involved in all of this. Later. Later. Yeah, you're so right. So it's not like it's not like he realizes, oh shit, you're the outcast. You mean my son Yuri? Whatever. Um so Rampage like Ivan gets pissed off and takes a swing at Rampage. Rampage is like ha 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 presses a button on his suit, but he, the people who sprung him are now using him as a suicide bomber, basically. Yep. This causes an overload in his suit, which causes him to explode. The champions manage to... Um, Shield themselves in a couple of different ways. Yeah. Hercules is just kind of there. But, like, Iceman throws up a wall and uh, stuff like that. So, um, Ghost Rider... Runs Clark to the hospital again. Um, and, uh, you know, they're all... The champions start trying to clean up the office since they do still have their big coming out to get ready for. Um, meanwhile, Ivan's just like, I've got to find the widow. I, She's my responsibility. I have to find her. He... Uh, is able, he and Iceman make their way over to the other rooftop, and Ivan unveils this thing he's developed that will allow him to trace the Black Pearl. Yeah. Um, and so Iceman's like, cool, let's do it. Um, and Ivan kind of warms up to Iceman a certain amount in all of this, even though he, he keeps acting like kind of an asshole. 
Ivan? Uh, Ivan, yeah. Yeah. Because he's just constantly like, none of you give a shit about the Black Widow. And they're just like, we give a shit, dude. Like, we're just, we're trying to do our thing here, man. Like, <laughs> you would slow down for a minute and or talk to any of us. Yeah. We, uh, that that wasn't angry grunting. We would probably be a lot further along. Yeah. Um, Angel winds up putting on a, a version of his old red and white x-men costume which frankly i think that as far as og angel goes this is his best costume i like it better than the blue well and the blue the blue was right out because so many like the reason they gave him that new costume in the first place was because everybody on the champions wore blue practically uh and so it makes more sense to just have him in this costume, but whatever. So they they prepare for their big coming out, but all they've got at the moment is Angel and Hercules. Uh, and suddenly they're attacked by not only Titanium Man and not only Griffin, but now suddenly the Crimson Dynamo, who, if you'll recall, was dead. Yeah, but he does reveal who he is. Yeah, we, we we skip by it because we have we don't have all that much oh, time. Yeah, that's right. But Black like Widow. Black Widow, Black Widow comes to and is asking Darkstar about why they're trying, why they need her in Bruskin, and Titanium Man comes in and is like, "Would you please stop telling the prisoner all the stories?" Um, and they get into a fight. Well, Titanium Man and uh, Griffin kind of get into a fight because they're like, "What? Why can't I?" Griffin's like, "Why can't I just kill them, please? Like, yeah. I love killing things, and you won't let me do it, and it makes me angry." And Titanium Man's like, "You know what? Maybe I should put you down." And then Crimson Man, Crimson Dynamo, Crimson Man, the Dynamo comes out. And he's like, "I am Yuri Petrovich." Okay. We're going after my death. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, one thing I will say, number eight has an awesome cover. Um, it's yeah. by Gil Kane. Is that the one with Griffin standing in front of everybody? Uh, no, it's the one. Uh, it's the cover with Rampage exploding. Oh, and yeah. And all of the champions are being blasted. Yep. By the, uh, by the explosion. I... I apologize. Let me, because I want to be accurate with this. It's Gil Kane, and uh, uh, sorry, I really should have had this ready and raring to go. Um, <clears throat> Gil Kane. And Al Milgram. Okay. Sorry. I just, I wanted to make sure I accredited the uh, inker as well. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, but Champions number nine uh, is inked by Bob Layton, colored by Don Warfield, and lettered by Karen Mantlo. Um, Angel and Hercules get defeated. Uh, and so, to, like, Ghost Rider shows up, and he's like, Okay, I'm here now. 
but he gets taken out as well. Um, and uh, they are they are gathered up and taken back to the uh, the Russians hideout. <clears throat> At that moment, Iceman and Ivan uh, arrive, having tracked the Pearl, um, and uh, Iceman hangs back to deal with the uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the arriving villains, uh, while Ivan goes on in to uh, rescue Black Widow, but then Iceman gets defeated. Um, Iceman gets downed as soon as Ivan's in the tunnel. Yeah, which, you know, it's real rough for Iceman. Because at this point, at this point, not the point at which we're reading, but in the present, Iceman's an Omega-level mutant. Oh, yeah. I love... That's... When... Is it, uh, it's Frost that opens his brain up and is like, you know, you're not, you're not doing all the things you can do, right? Yeah. Also, yeah. I'm pretty sure you're immortal. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? And she's like, can I have your body for like a second? Just a second. I just want to see. Just let me hold it. And he's like, uh, no. And then she does it anyway, because she's Emma. And he's like basically like shows him what he can do and he's like she's like you can be water vapor you can be hard as diamond you can be enormous you can do all this shit you've never done any of it yeah and he's like i don't really want to it's okay yeah the first really the first the first indication we get of the fact that Iceman could be a lot more is Age of Apocalypse because yeah. that version of Iceman does a lot of shit that the, normal six one six Bobby never thinks to do, and it's only after that that they start being like, maybe we should uh, explore him a bit more. Yeah. Uh, but so the upshot of all of this is they kind of they kind of play. Excuse me, okay. brain fart. Yep. Natasha and Bruskin kind of play on the fact that Darkstar hasn't been a complete asshole. And so they they pull a quick one on her. As they're fighting with her, that's when Ivan bursts in. It's also sort of alluded to that uh, Darkstar was also a Red Room trainee. Yeah, because she... she she and Bruskin clearly know each other, uh-huh. and she talks about having been trained by him. Right. Um, but in the course of all of this, uh, <clears throat> the Crimson Dynamo and the others arrive with the defeated champions. Crimson Dynamo takes his helmet off and reveals that he is Yuri, and Ivan's like, what? Uh, which brings us to champions number 10. Which is inked by Frank Giacoya and lettered by Ray Holloway. Uh, the champions, barring Black Widow and Ivan, are teleported into a random metal box. Um, over the course of the issue, they start trying to figure a way out. Herc, of course, being Herc, is just like, 
I'm uh, break down the wall. <clears throat> but he tears open the wall, revealing just naked stone. And so he's like, fuck this, and he punches it. The villains open up a hole in space, and they've, they're up on the surface now. Well, the villains open up a hole in space, and they're like, okay, here's the deal. You're deep in the uh, San Andreas Trench. Uh, fault. Please stop punching the walls. Otherwise, uh, if you don't, you'll destroy Los Angeles. Yeah, L.A. will fall into the ocean. Yeah. So could you, you know, don't? And they're like, well, shit. Uh, Hercules is just like, that's bullshit. I don't buy it. And they're like, Hercules, don't. And he's like, no, no, it's cool. I'm the prince of power. I know of what I speak. I'm way older than all of you. But somehow have yet to work out that that does not mean I'm smarter. Um, they have so to physically restrain him. Yeah, their whole deal is they... The champions are trying to hold back Hercules from literally destroying Los Angeles. Meanwhile, the uh, our Russian friends get loaded up onto a uh, plane that's going to take them back to Russia. Uh, Yuri explains his origins, which were that, you know, Ivan... Ivan was doing his, like, thing for the Russian government... But uh, <clears throat> there were ostensibly um, American interests that were trying to get him to defect. Uh, and in so doing, they shot Yuri's wife and abducted, or I'm sorry, shot Ivan's wife and abducted Yuri. Um, Yuri explains that as he was... Um, as he was being held by the Americans, he managed to piece together a uh, a radio and call for help, and then Russian agents came in and rescued him. Bruskin is just kind of like... It's you... revealed to the audience at the end of that flashback that it was actually... It was Russians all the way down. Yeah, the the Americans who abdu who killed his mother and abducted him were actually Russian agents, uh, and the whole point was to instill in him a hatred of uh, the West. Yeah. However, Yuri doesn't know this because while they're while after he tells his bit, uh, Titanium Man and Griffin had no Griffin's flying. My bad. Titanium Man goes out to deal with some American planes that have discovered them, and he is blowing them the fuck up. And so Yuri goes out and he's like, knock it off. You don't have to. You just had to disable the planes, not kill the pilots. And Titanium Man's like, I just like killing. Uh, <laughs> have you met me? This is kind of my thing. But so uh, Yuri, Yuri comes back. Uh, and Darkstar, Darkstar is like trying to reason with him and explain, no, you don't know everything. Yuri's like, yeah, they're lying to you. Bruskin, Bruskin had told everybody else that was still in the plane, including Darkstar, what actually happened, which right. was about the, the, everyone was a Russian agent. Right. Um, yeah, Darkstar, she's trying to get him to calm the fuck down, but he won't have it 
Uh, he fr- Darkstar frees uh, Bruskin and, and, Widow. and Widow and gets popped in the mouth by Dynamo uh, for it. Kind of looks like she's going down, except like at, with her last sort of ounce of strength, she manages to uh, teleport our four four doofuses out of their uh, steel cage. Um, yeah, and they immediately are like, "Well, okay, let's go save them." So they immediately go and come into your plane and take off after them. Uh, the plane that the Dynamo had them on was rendezvousing with a Russian sub, which was then going to take them back to Russia. Um, the champions arrive. There's a big knockdown drag out. And, uh, you know, Darkstar, I think, was really interesting here because she's like, she's the good Russian agent and all of that who is also you know she and she and yuri share a thing um but she's also like pragmatic enough to realize that they're that they've been played and so her divided loyalties in this last bout are really interesting in the end the champions defeat everyone but yuri escapes um and so in the end, it's like things are things are kind of fucked up. Ivan is angry at the champions because he doesn't think they really care about Natasha. The champions are all angry at each other because of all the shit that happened in the box. And it's just kind of... And Natasha's... So the, the only thing that kind of sucks about these issues is that... Well, okay... One thing that I was a little disappointed about, because ostensibly this story centers on Natasha, but she gets sidelined through most of it. She and does. That, that sucks because, and I understand why from like a story s- structure point of view, like they needed S- Natasha sidelined because if she was around, none of this other bullshit would have been happening, right? Yeah. Like they would not be, none of the Hercules and. Iceman and Ghost Rider infighting would have been happening because she would have been like, fucking knock it off. Yeah. Like, we have other problems. You, big guy, sit down. I'm tired of it. No. And Herc would have just done it because he respects the shit out of her. Like, they wanted to get to a point where the team itself was destabilized right after it started. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, Bobby has made no bones in his own head about, like, as soon as they're solidified, he's gone. Um, because he's really only there to help Warren. And this is... I mean, that's also another good reason for him to stay, is because the team is clearly not solidified. Yeah. Um, yep. But that's where we... One thing that I did find kind of interesting is, in one of these issues, uh, I guess there's a letter from Ralph Macchio. Uh, editor, I always have to make this distinction just in case they are this is somebody first ep- somebody's first episode. Not the Karate Kid, but the editor, Ralph Macchio, wrote in a letter basically saying, Champions needs to make some changes or it's going to be canceled. And uh, it was. 
So, well done, Ralph Macchio. Called it. Um, yeah. So, let's take a quick break and then we'll do these last two issues with Moon Knight. <clears throat> yes. Yeah. We're, yeah. We're going to we're going to talk about comics. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, uh we are on Marvel Spotlight number 28, which is written by Doug Mensch. Penciled and inked by Don Perlin, colored by Irene Vartanov, and lettered by Irving Watanabe. Uh, so for whatever reason, we did not read the issues of Werewolf by Night uh, that uh, Moon Knight first appeared in. I read them uh, this week just because I was like, yeah, that's really weird that we didn't. Um, it is... It is odd, um, simply because the way Moon Knight is pre presented in those issues, you, you know how some characters appear and they're basically the way they are. Like, yeah. they are, they come out and they're just like, this is who the character is, and that's who the character remains. All right. Moon Knight is not one of those. No. Uh, because in, in Werewolf by Night, he is hired... He's Mark Spector, of course. He's hired by the committee, which has apparently been dogging... Ha! Uh, I hate you. <laughs> uh, has, been, has been dogging Jack Russell... Um, and in that issue, they give him the Moon Knight suit, um, and stuff like that. In addition, these issues make reference to his fighting the werewolf and being bitten, and that's why he's stronger during a, during a full moon. Right. Uh, no mention of Khonshu or any of it. But whatever. Yeah, that doesn't come until later. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. It's just it's, it's retconned later. It's, that that's it's what happened. Odd that you know we're given we're given an explicit explanation for a character's powers that is then just like yeah no. I mean this is this is almost like uh, Power Girl where it's just kind of like yeah she's one thing. Oh, no, wait, she's actually the descendant of Atlanteans or whatever. But anyway, um, so we start with this, and Moon Knight is in the, uh, is cruising around Manhattan when he comes across these guys in weird purple and green suits that are breaking into an office, um... And it's ostensibly... No, we don't know that yet. Yeah, they're breaking into this office building. Um, meanwhile, uh, Mark... Oh. So... Right. 
it's here that we're introduced to Mark Spector's various identities slash personalities because we've got we've got Grant, Stephen Grant, who is the uh, millionaire. Then we've got Jake uh, Lockley, Jake Lockley, who's a cab driver. And so in the interspersed with him dealing with these guys that are trying to rob this office, we've got Marlene at Stephen Grant's mansion wondering where he is. And then we've got Lockley's bosses at the cab company that are just kind of like, he's late again. What a piece of shit. I might as well give his medallion to somebody else. Um, stuff like that. And so uh, Spectre... God. Um, Moon Knight deals with the the thieves and uh, lay, lays them out for the police, makes his getaway. Uh, and there's a lot of talk about how there is the office of this uh, candidate for mayor uh, in this building. And it's like, I wonder if that's what they were after. It's like, well, but there's a lot of offices in that building. It could be really anybody. Um, also, we get introduced to Frenchie, the Moon Knight's helicopter pilot. Yeah, Frenchie was actually the only character in this who appeared in Moon Knight's first appearances. Okay. Uh, this is, yeah, this is like his third appearance i think yeah uh marlene and samuels and everybody else they're all first timers but then then we have this conquer lord who is getting the uh the intel on moon knight these guys know who moon knight is is through and through um yeah they know not only who moon knight is but they know the three they know his identity no, they know his power set they know his identities um yeah. they know everything about him yeah uh meanwhile the cops show up to deal with the thieves and it turns out that they're all undercover cops um the guy that's being given all this intel who refers to himself as conquer lord um asks his underling like okay so who else knows all of this and the guy's like well there's our mole there's you and there's me and conquer lord's like cool at which point he kills his underling uh so moon knight is out again just doing whatever um he gets shot at by some cops and i don't really remember um Like he's I don't really remember why other than they're just like vigilante. No, he's they think because the oh, other he's cops already at them. Yeah, the other cops already found the un, the the undercovers and assume it, I I the way I was reading it was the other cops found the other co- undercovers and were like got the word out with cuz radios are a thing and is like Moon Knight just pieced out seven undercutter cops. Watch your sh- watch yourselves. These beat cops see Moon Knight coming right at him because all he wants to do is like tell them about yeah. the 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 thieves he stopped. Yeah, and they're like, 
oh shit, he's come for more. And uh, open fire. Yeah, yeah, that's he, my bad. I forgot about that. So he gets away, grabs the the ladder off the helicopter, and gets away. We cut back to Conquer Lord, who's like, all of seven of those men failed to yeah. get in. And we we find out in the course of this that Conquer Lord's plan, his the candidate whose office was in that building, is his lackey. Uh, and he is going, he is going to be, uh, he staged the break-in of his own dude's office so that they could frame the mayor for doing it, uh, and thus bring him down in a Watergate-style scandal. So Mark returns back to, uh, Stephen Grant's estate where Marlene is waiting for him, and he's like, I gotta go out as, I gotta go out and find some intel. So he switches to Lockley and goes, jumps in his cab uh, and starts trying to track down some information. He goes to this diner where um, he meets Gina. Uh, Yeah, Gina. Um, And there's this dude, Crawley, that comes cruising in and... uh, Crawley has Crawley is fucking connected. <laughs> um, yeah, he's clearly like uh, homeless. Yeah, and but man, he knows his street shit. Like he's paid attention. Yeah, um, um, and basically just lays, lays out, out, the lays out everything we already found out. <laughs> We needed our hero to know about this stuff, so we invented a a magical hobo to tell him the skinny. Yeah. Uh, so now that now that Conquer Lord's plan for the break in has been foiled, but it kind of hasn't. Also, like whatever. Uh, so Mark realizes. That the mayor is now in danger. He's like, there was a big society gala at the mayor's house tonight. Guess I better go. So he he has Marlene meet him there. Uh, they show up and the place comes under attack from armed gunmen. Um, he changes into Moon Knight to go and deal with it. As, he, as he's like interjecting himself into the situation... He sees Conquer Lord on the roof about to take a shot at the mayor. Um, he intervenes and the shot goes wild. Um, they fight and Marlene <laughs> Marlene gets kind of in the way. Like she's trying to help Mark, but she winds up getting herself taken hostage and... Uh, Conquer Lord's just like, if you don't want anything to happen to her, you better back the fuck up. And so Mark does. Conquer Lord gets away with Marlene, at which point the butler is just like, the mayor's been shot. Uh, which brings us to Marvel Spotlight number 29, which is lettered by Deborah James. Um, so the good news is the mayor didn't die outright. The bad news is he's still been shot. Um, 
and Moon Knight was there, so he kind of looks like he was involved. Uh, but the he stabilizes the mayor somewhat, and the mayor's just like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to tell everybody you were working to stop it. Um, but, uh, shoot, sorry. Uh, Moon Knight's like, cool, I'm going to go deal with Conquer Lord. So he goes back to the Stephen Grant's mansion. And it's there that he has a run-in with this dude, Merkins. Um, Who is the new valet. Valet. Uh, when it when it comes to a rich dude's like right-hand guy, it's valet. Okay. Downton Abbey, baby. All uh, right. But yeah. <laughs> um, a valet is a guy who parks your car. A valet is a, is a guy who like lays out your clothing and uh, yeah. Okay, I'm American as hell. Anyway, uh, but yeah, his new valet, Merkins, is like listening in. And Stephen Grant's just like, who the fuck are you? And uh, he's like, oh yeah, I'm your new valet. Uh, Samuel's hired me. And he's like, well, I didn't tell him to do that. And Merkins is like, oh shit, I'm, I'm, I'm exposed. And like takes a swing and runs um <clears throat> so specter goes out specter goes after him uh talks to samuels for a second and samuels is just like no he told me you told he you told hired me him. you'd hired him and he's just like whatever get my kid and uh so he takes off as lockley um and yeah um Manages. I'm trying to read. There's a brief vignette with Conquer Lord. Uh, he has Marlene over a pit in his office, uh, full of alligators. The pit's and full of alligators. The counterweight is a sandbag. He slits the sandbag to so it'll start dropping her into the pit slowly. Yeah. Uh, Mark, meanwhile, had Frenchie following. Merkins in his stolen car, uh, and so that they didn't lose him. He follows along in the taxi, um, and everything. The, uh, whatever. The upshot is he, he follows Merkins to, uh, Conquer Lord's base. Uh, bursts in, starts dealing with the, dealing with the underlings. And then uh, it comes down to him versus Conquer Lord. Um, the best, or probably the thing I liked the most from this issue is there, after he breaks into this, to this uh, hideout, uh, there's a panel with the goons go to, like, check it out. Like, what was that noise? And they come up a flight of stairs, and he's standing um, in a dark doorway and you can only see the white parts of the suit it's yeah. really cool and you can see direct parallels between that and the art that Declan Shelby does for the Warren Ellis Moon Knight yeah. um, because I didn't realize until rereading it again last week that 
it's not colored. Like, that's so badass. It isn't white like they they painted they they colored the suit white. It's just the naked angst. Yeah. In that book. So that's friggin' cool. And the thing that there are things I really like about Moon Knight's costume here, because he has so the the upper torso is black with the crescent logo. And then the legs, the inner part is black and the outer part is white. Uh, the weird hover cape, I'm not really digging. No. But whatever. Um, but yeah, so it winds up coming down to Conquer Lord and uh, Moon Knight. And, and Conquer Lord and Moon Knight and his shitty... Uh, are we... Let's call it out. Because he keeps using words that I don't like. Uh, shitty homophobia in when he's referring to Merkins. And it's Moon Knight doing it, not Conquer Lord. And yeah. I'm like calling him a sissy and, and a pansy like and, and things like that. And I'm like, dude, would you not you just it call off? somebody a coward. You don't have yeah. to like yeah. No that that's not it's code. the seventies. <laughs> yeah. Um anyway. But yeah, so Conquer Lord puts Mark in this stupid ass giant chess piece thing and the floor panels are wired so if Moon Knight makes any move other than the two down and one over or what have you that a knight can make it will explode Um, they make their various moves and then eventually it basically comes down to the two of them uh, whacking it out a little bit uh, Conquer Lord smashes this axe Moon Knight has and then tr- is just like, whatever, fuck this, and gets out of there. Moon Knight jumps, uses it, like, j- makes a jump, then uses the explosion behind him to kind of propel him a little further so that he makes it to this hatch. Um, and it's at that point he and Conquer Lord duke it out a bit. Conquer Lord winds up defeated and <laughs> Mark kind of hangs him like over the edge of the, uh, of, or over the hatch, uh, and goes to save Marlene. Does so at the last possible second and it's just like, hooray. Uh, happy ending, and he takes her home in his dingy, gross-ass cab uh, whilst leaving Conquer Lord tied up for uh, the police. Moon Knight, Moon Knight is one of those characters... So, one of, my, one of my favorite things is in Twisted Toy Fair Theater, they once did a Hanukkah... Uh, story that involved like Thing, Shadow Cat, all of the Jewish superheroes. Okay. Uh sitting down for I don't think it was it was a Seder. Uh I forget. Whatever. They did a storyline about the Jewish heroes sitting down it was Passover. Yeah, it was Passover. My bad. I'm sorry. They did a Passover story. And, like, uh, 
Moon Knight is hanging around on the roof of the Baxter building while Thing is up there, like, directing somebody down. And uh, Thing goes inside and then pops his head back out and he's like, You coming, David Duke? Uh, so I really love that. Um, I Moon Knight has been one of those really hit or miss characters, and I'm not sure if that's my view of the character or if Marvel just hasn't really gotten it right a lot of the time. Um, I, I think it's the second, because I agree that, like, I think it was Nerdist or something. After the the TV show got um, announced, the they did a let's run you down who Moon Knight is, and I was like, yeah, ugh. yeah, and, that's and, a that's a bit, yeah. But anyway, the, so they did that. They did the rundown of like who he was and some of the some of the history, and I missed the what was that two thousand eight or something where. The mul- he, they took the multiple personalities things that he develops eventually from these four characters, right? He he becomes to inhabit them more as his identities instead of just costumes. Yeah, costumes he puts on. And uh, they in the later stories there there's one where it's like his his uh, dissociative. Or, he dissociates into uh, Spider-Man, Wolverine, and Captain America, and apparently that went over like a lead balloon. Um, and I have not read that; it does not look good. But then the Warren Ellis Moon Knight fucking nails it because he's like, because Ellis just is like, "What if we took this guy and just made him fucking crazy? Like he's broken. Like this is not a well person." And it works a hell of a lot better. Um, and Conchu is one of the presences in his head, too. Well, yeah, because Conchu is like, has the bird skull. Yep. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I remember I made a joke at one point based on the 2004 Moon Knight series. Wherein Kanchu had abandoned him because he had fucked up. And he winds up, like, in a wheelchair, uh, stuff like that. I had made a joke at one point about that series wherein, like, I was having a conversation. We were joking about uh, expanded products that... Marvel could come out with, and uh, one of my one of my jokes was uh, the Moon Knight Home Physical Therapy Kit, and it's just a bottle of pills and a statue of Kanchu. Uh But you know, whatever. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. We'll see how this goes. I might wind up liking Moon Knight. I don't know, a lot more than I do. That is, um, I like it. I like the design of his costume. I really a want lot the, of the time. I really want the character to be cool as shit because the costume's so awesome. And then they just are like, yeah. Uh, apparently, Max Bemis was on the Moon Knight for a really long time, and I wonder if that's any good. Hmm. I don't know. 
We'll see. Wee. Uh, top five. Top five. The Watcher's Guide's Top Five. Top Five. Number five. Uh, Moon Knight. Just because it was kind of nice to see. Again, I'm, yeah. I guess I'm also a little confused on why we skipped Werewolf by Night uh, and went straight to here, but this might be a little more pure a distillation of what the character actually is, and that's why. Who knows? Um, it was nice to see him. It's a little confounding, but I liked it. Uh, number four is uh, the Daredevil and Panther. Black Panther is together is fun. Um, I like them hanging out. They're good buds, and they work well together. Uh, number three, Doom just straight wasting Krang. That was awesome, because... It was, like, ostensibly a sword fight, but it was like if I were having a sword fight with a three-year-old. Uh, he just... He just takes him out. Uh, so the the three-year-old wins, right? Yes. That's the joke. Uh, number three... Or, I already did that. Number two, uh, Panther breaking the wheel. I thought that was cool. Um... The whole sequence was cool. It's really too bad that the rest of that issue was just confounding. Mm-hmm. Um, and then number one is the Doom Skull fight because uh, it kind of blew past me while I was reading it, but going back through it in this, damn it. It's so cool that they get to... You, you, they just get to wail on each other for like five pages. Yeah. And it's cool as hell. And against, Especially against like the back... Oh no, wait, that's later. But yeah, it's a really good fight. Um, and Doom's, you know, he's... Skull is giving Doom a run for his money, and he actually has to, like, resort to some pretty decent tactics and stuff like that. It's re- it's just, it's good. It's a good fight, and I liked it. Alright. Done. Uh, well, my number five is... Uh... Armor Wars was kind of inevitable. Right? Uh, he does just drop that shit all over the place. He's just he's just tossing tech fucking everywhere. Uh, number four, Dark Star was really interesting in those issues of yeah. Champions. Uh, never never been a character I've been that into. No. Um, but that was a that was a good uh, first outing, and I am receptive to reading more appearances by the character uh, if they wind up being as good as that. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, number three, Doom's I'm not Namor. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I just, I love Krang being like, wait, 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 you're just supposed to exile me. I'm uh, royalty. Namor never tries to actually hurt me. He only exiles me. And he's like, I'm, that would be awesome if I were Namor. Yeah. Uh, number two is that Gil Kane cover for Champions. Because that was fucking phenomenal. And then uh, number one is that Doom Skull fight. Yep. Because, uh, yeah. Like, so... So often... Uh, you... 
you don't really get to see that many fights between big name villains like that you know that are that are just kind of like usually it's the result of a a double cross or something like that right this was this was out and out skull had been fucking doom and doom's just like I'm not, no, this doesn't fly. I'm done with you. And they have their knockdown drag out, and it's just like, all right, have fun suffocating on the moon. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. So He's pretty boss at the end of that, too. Just being like, by the way, I just kicked your boss's ass. You're, my, you're mine now. Get me off this rock. Yeah. And they're like, yes, sir. Yep. Also, you're not Nazis anymore. Okay. It's kind of our whole identity. Yeah, being it sucks. Quit it. <laughs> identity politics. Uh, so, next week we have some Eternals. We have the return of Iron Fist. Some Thor. Uh, we, we have the next issue of Marvel Spotlight with the Warriors 3 uh, in the midst of all that Thor. And then a couple issues of Daredevil. So... And then, who knows? Yeah. So, uh, in the meantime, uh, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, uh, both individually and at Watchers Guide MU. Uh, leave us a a uh, review and subscribe on iTunes. Uh, email us at watchersguide at gmail dot com. Or visit our website at watchersguide.com. Listen to our new show with Mickey Lexa. Uh, how marvelous. The second episode will be up as soon as I can edit it. Edit it. Yep. Uh, so that is it for us. Have a marvelous week. Bye. <laughs>